Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Med- Medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about both of our sponsors. It's that time of year when you're probably reflecting on this past year and possibly setting goals for the new one. If you're not, you really should be. And a big part of accomplishing goals is going to involve a combination of both information and skills. Downpour, who I mentioned to you on a few previous episodes, is an audiobook source that allows you to rent instead of buy. So you end up getting 70% off the retail price of audiobooks, and it works on all iOS and Android devices. Use the promo code creative and you'll get your first book for just $3.95. Now let's talk about SkilledUp, who has curated the best of online courses and alternative education resources and put it all under one roof to help you obtain the skills you need to succeed in your career. They've even put together a free and really useful toolkit that you can download by visiting promo.skilledup.com creative. That might have been a mouthful. So once again, that's promo.skilledup.com creative. Victor, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, we had you uh, back when we were called Blogcast FM as a guest, uh, just because you had such an amazing story. And uh, the reason we have you back again this time is uh, for a couple of reasons. One, your story is amazing. It, it needed to be shared again. And, and you, you've had such a transformative journey. The other, of course, is, uh, as I said in, in the pre-roll to this, you are actually one of our speakers at the Instigator Experience. So I'm really excited to share you with our audience today. Uh, and on that note, can you tell us uh, a bit about yourself, your journey, your story? Story, your background, and how that has brought you to what you're up to in the world today. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I grew up uh, in a Middle Eastern family where I was supposed to become a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Those were my options. Um, but I had some really incredible uh, teachers and mentors in middle school, high school, um, and, you know, we're really inspired by them. And I, I kind of had a rough um, family life in, during those years. So those guys were my heroes, those individuals, not just guys. Um, those people were my heroes. Um, and so uh, one of my friends um, from from the church that I was attending told me about a school up here in Chicago, and she was studying education up here. So um, I brought my parents in the same room and told them, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to become a doctor. I'm going to study education um, and work with students. And, uh, and you know, Obviously, that that rustled some feathers, but um, but they gave me their blessing, and um, and I went and I went and studied here in Chicago, and then started working with middle school and high school students, and just really got to start seeing the power of you know building into a you know a younger generation than me, and then um, and then more importantly, not more importantly, but also the the place I was working was this church that was. Uh, that was had teamed up with some community, uh, some schools in the community, and we were building a forty thousand square foot student space in the west suburbs of Chicago. That was going to be a safe space for students 
um, huge budget. It was just something I never, never thought I'd be a part of. And I got to see this like intersection of business and, um, kind of like nonprofit work just kind of mesh. And it was, it was a category of business called social enterprise. And yeah, I thought, man, this is what I want to be doing with my life. I want to do well and do good. And, uh, so I was going to get my MBA. That was my next step. I was like 25 years old. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like my like kind of the pre-story, I suppose, before Leap Year started. And and you know, Srini, like the you know firsthand um the just the cost and the style of MBAs or just generally speaking grad grad programs, university settings, it's not for everyone. It, it's a great setup for some people, but it's not for everyone and I'm just noticing that more and more for myself. And um and so, you know, after contemplating everything, studying the GMAT, taking the test, doing interviews, having a, a you know a, a hopeful track to a great college in, in uh, Chicago here, I, I decided that um, it wasn't for me. And so, um, yeah, taking I guess a chapter out of uh, out of several other kind of bloggers and writers uh, books, I decided to start a blog and a newsletter, and it was called Leap Year. It was going to be it was all about like designing my own education. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of stuck, started me on this long journey of designing my own, my own masters. Hmm. So, you know, I, I want to go back to, to part of the beginning of the pre-story and you talked about this idea that, uh, you know, you were supposed to become a doctor, lawyer, engineer, obviously being Indian, I can relate. And you mentioned that idea of rustling feathers and so many people I feel end up in places they don't want to end up living lives they don't want to live, doing work that they don't want to do, you know, do because they're so afraid to rustle feathers. And I'm really interested in, in talking to you about how you overcame that whole fear uh, and how you managed that. Yeah. So, you know, there are probably two main times with my parents that I've just like, you know, I, I obviously I'm several times I've probably made them just like smack their foreheads. Um, but Though there were two times, one when I told them I was gonna not become a doctor, and the other was when I told them I was gonna quit my job to design my education, whatever that means. Uh, Middle Eastern parents trying to understand that's a, a pretty funny thing. Uh, and you know what I what what I will never forget um, someone else telling me is like you will reap what you sow in these kinds of conversations. So if you sow, you know, like. Um, frustration, anger, like trying to hide certain facts or dance around or manipulation, like it, it just is going, it's going to reap those things. Like if you sow exclusivity, you're going to be excluded. Like if you, if you, so like how do I bring my parents into this journey? Like how do I make sure that it's not like me telling them something mm -hmm. though, though I was sure. um, like, but how do I show them how I got to where, why, like to that decision or those decisions, why I thought it was going to be helpful. And then also explain like what the road ahead would look like. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to do that in both situations. I had to talk about what other vocations I could possibly do. And then I had researched the salaries and, and knew that it would meant I wasn't going to make as much money or have, you know, like, certain luxuries that you know the other vocations were going to afford me but that's okay with me um and 
you know, same thing with, with leap year, you know, just saying, you know, just explaining how I was going to fund it and what I hope to get out of it and like what my starting points were and who my team was like a friends and so on. That was all helpful. And I think that's the, if you're going to rustle feathers, um, there, there, are, there are people in the camp that just say like, you know, like be bold and just like mow people over that there, that works for some people, but that, that wasn't my style. I was going to bring people along and, um, and I think it served it served them well. I mean, it served us well. Like my parents were at the TED talk I gave at the end of leap year, and they were they were the loudest cheers, you know, mm-hmm. that which is like no, uh, I wasn't, I didn't expect that, but I think I think it all paid off to to bring them along. You know, I love that idea of reap what you sow. I've I've never heard it put that way before because so often you're right. We we come from this antagonistic place or this place that we're fighting a battle against them as opposed to saying, this is why you should join me in the cause. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, antagonistic is the right word. You, that's the, that's the kind of thing you just got to dodge. You got to be careful of it. I, I think so. But mm-hmm. once again, I, <clears throat> I've seen the other, other work, what the other side work to some extent, it just, it feels more, um, temporary. Like the, like it feels like you're going to end up burning a lot of bridges the other way. So, um, and in the long run, you know, like, and, and the long-term play, like I'm talking like decades, like I, I don't, I want to leave in my wake, like good relationships. Like I want, I want to be at peace with people and, and maybe once again, like that's not for everybody, but for me, that's, I want to, I want to leave them better than when I found them or when they found me. So I think that's a huge part of rustling feathers is, is thinking about the other, like being in the, being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned having a somewhat difficult childhood, and I'd love for you to kind of expand on that for, for the people who haven't heard your story and, and kind of how that really has impacted, uh, you know, everything that you're doing today and, and how you show up in the world today. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my parents dad was traditional, kind of very strict Middle Eastern man. Um, and, you know, my parents had an arranged marriage, knew each other for 15 days before they were engaged, three months before they were married. Which works in a lot of cultures, but when you move to the States and you have, um, you know, you, you just face everything that, you know, that moving across the, across the world um, brings. And then you also uh, have this world opened up to you of, of possibilities and freedom. I think my parents just, it, it just wrecked their marriage, all, all of that combined. And, and obviously several other things in the mix too. So in middle school, they had a really messy divorce and then... Throughout high school, those individuals who poured into me became my heroes. Like I told you, soccer coaches and teachers and youth pastors and all of them and the like. And you know, when I told my parents that I wasn't going to go become a doctor to, to, to work in education, I think they got really curious about what in the world happened to me and who was was kind of like <laughs> seeding these ideas. And so um, when I went off to college. You know, they had already met those individuals, but they started spending a little more time with them. And part of it was, I think those those guys knew that I, like, was was really hopeful that my parents would someday like be able to reconcile in some capacity. Um, and so they they spent their they spent a lot of time and a lot of energy on them. And a couple years into high school, or I'm sorry, into college. I get wind that they're that they're all going to go to a, a marriage conference together, which is like a conference where you work on your marriage, I suppose. But they weren't married; they're divorced. What's going on here? So, 
Then next thing I know, my dad calls me, I don't know, a couple months later, and he says, Victor, I have the good news. Uh, Mom said yes. And, <laughs> and you know, the, it was this hard thing for me at first, to be honest. Like, it was this super sweet. I'm like, what? But my, at that point, my dad had, like, like I just kind of accepted, okay, like my, my dad is who he is. He's not going to change, but he had actually changed. And, and my mom had, you know, had warmed up to him again. And it's like now they're they're happily married and they're, you know, giving me advice on relationships, which is just hilarious. Like, um, so, yeah, so, you know, I, I think then I realized, like more than anything, the power of relationships. When there's anything that's going to be on my tombstone, it's that relationships are, you know, are the most powerful means for change. And, and just watching those individual, the, the array of individuals that spent time on me, mm-hmm. spent time on my parents, and you know, brought my family back together, I think will forever change me. So I'm working in education now, but education is a, is a, I think, a relationship game. It's you know, putting great individuals around one another and in front of one another. So they can learn together. And so uh, that's that's what I'm doing. So let me ask you this. And I may have asked you this last time. Uh, you know, I, I think it's really amazing that you've had all these incredible uh, mentors and influencers in your life and relationships. How do you recognize when somebody like that shows up in your life uh, and realize that, OK, this is a person who could fundamentally alter the course of my life? I think you have to, I think it's when you see a glimpse of what you want to be in that person Mm. and that person sees a glimpse of who they were in you. Like that, there's a little bit of a, of some crazy synergistic unseen thing that happens, which is very not concrete when I'm sharing this with you. So, you know, like I think uh, to make it maybe a little bit more concrete if you're looking at somebody who leads a life the way you hope to lead it with their, in their marriage or maybe in their business or um, maybe in just the way they treat people generally, and you start wanting to spend more time with them and learn from them in that capacity, like you, because you hope you're like them. I think it's so appropriate to say, Hey, like, would you, would you spend time with me every month or every quarter or, you know, whenever there's something that comes up, would you, would you be willing to like kind of look into my life every once in a while and then vice versa to be able to say to them, like, is there something I can do for you? Like, is there, um, I have fresh legs, I have energy. I'm not, you know, I don't have a family I can help, whether it's really practically speaking like stuff around the house or with your kids or whatever, or something more, um, you know, more kind of pie in the sky stuff, like just sharing ideas or being a sounding board or for your work. Um, and you, and you just take it kind of, I think, you know, meeting by meeting at that point. And, uh, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Uh, you know, let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk specifically about the leap year project. You know, a lot of people here are new listeners, so they may not know specifically what the leap year project is. Uh, but, the thing that I want to start with is that you looked at something like the education system and you said, you know what, this isn't going to work for me. And you decided to challenge something that is an incredibly established structure and succeeded. What I'm really interested in is how you develop that capacity to look at something as established as education and find the courage to say, you know what, 
I am going to completely challenge the status quo and do something so wildly different. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think what I realized is that courage entails a lot of naivete Mm -hmm. and kind of like, I, I didn't know much better. Right. Like I just, um, or, or one, another way I've heard it is that innovation is born out of necessity. I think that's, that's probably a cliche statement now, but, um, I was hell bent on learning and gaining, like, I remember when I was studying for the GMAT, I had this sticky note that, and so I was working full time in a job that was all over the, all over on hours. Like I, you know, I up early in the morning meeting with students before school, late at night, going to football games and soccer games and hosting, you know, student events and stuff. And so my study hours were like wee hours in the morning. And I remember seeing this damn sticky note, just like credibility, tools, and network. Like that's what, and then employment, like, you know, kind of a fourth, but that, that's why I wanted to get my MBA, like credibility tools network. I remember the, like the font I use, like I remember my handwriting and that was going to cost me $120,000. I didn't have $120,000, nor did I know if I wanted to spend $120,000 that way. So, but I was hell bent on getting those things in a different kind of way and I needed it. So, or so I thought I was just so sure that I needed to spend a season of my life really working on gaining some tools in this arena of business and social change and design, gaining like some credibility in the space and, you know, finding the right people. Well, that, that with that, with some naivete about what people say is right or wrong, I didn't care. I mean, I didn't know. So I just had to do it. I just had to figure something else out. The other thing that I think helps with courage is, um, a safety net of really, wonderful people and i'm not talking about mentors like we were earlier i'm talking about people who like don't define you by your accomplishments Mm. and know you for like the you know the sound of your laugh and the the way you put like sauce on the side of everything and the way you spend you know the hours that you know where no one is looking like those people and, and inviting those people along for the ride and, and making sure they're in, included on such a decision. I think that bolsters c- courage more than anyone probably cares to admit um, is knowing that there are a few of those people who will be there even if everything failed, even if everything just like went up in flames. Um, so, yeah, I think I think hunger plus a good community, you know, will, will make you able to probably do uh, do anything, you know. You know, I love that you brought up the people who don't define you by your your accomplishments, because I think even ourselves, we get very caught up in this trap of defining who we are through our accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. And like, even how we introduce ourselves, you know, like, and, and, you know, just saying I'm the founder of, or I work for, or I started or whatever. I think, especially in the circles we roll in, right, Srini? Like, that's just... It's very much how people introduce themselves. And, and, you know, quite frankly, it's an easy introduction. It's a good conversation starter. So it's not all bad. It's just when it when it seeps into, like, the very fiber of who we are is our accomplishment. That's a scary place. It really is. And the funny thing is when you realize all your accomplishments and all your accolades are temporary, that yeah. gets shaken to the core then. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you're starting something, I think everyone feels that, right? Like, 
man, I'm spending 70 hours a week trying to get something off the ground. Is it, is it worth, is it worth it? Like, what if it fails? Like, I mean, all these questions I, there was a, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, just a, a slew of questions. And so if it, if that is who you are, if that's how you define like the core of who you are, yeah, that's, it's just a, it's a sad place, I think. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
let's do this. Let's get into specifics about Leap Year and what it is, um, how it came to life, how it has led to all the other things that you're up to. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there are a couple things I had to figure out. One was um, some sort of structure. So I didn't just look like some wandering buffoon, uh, just like, um, you know, hippie, being a hippie traveling my way through the world, which isn't a bad thing. I just <laughs> buffoon. But I mean, like I was telling people I was going to make up my own masters. So I was like, you know, I just needed to put some structure to it so they could understand it. So, um, I, you know, 12 experiences in 2012, you know, all centered around, um, design, business and social change. There was a good ring to it. Uh, it was leap year. So 12 months, 12 experiences that all of it just had a good, uh, had a good ring. It just all fell, fell together that way. From a funding perspective, I thought to myself, okay, like how, what can I like do for, for my community that maybe they would want to like sponsor me or subscribe to a, uh, to something. So I, I promised to do a monthly newsletter and, um, a weekly blog and bring people together around, around the dinner table whenever I was in their cities and so on. So yeah, it was kind of like a glorified magazine subscription meets a sponsor of the Egyptian kid. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I funded it. A couple hundred people did that. And I shared my learnings and so on. And then as far as landing the experiences, you know, I, I, building the brand helped and building, you know, a network of a couple hundred people telling them what I was doing. And then just coming up with a really like simple, like system for getting to spot a problem in a company. So asking a CEO or a creative director of a small company and saying, Hey, can I interview your staff? Uh, over the course of a few days and try to find a common problem or need or something that people want more of in their space and then pitch you on something I would do over the following, you know, three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like a mini, like a really mini reverse consultant of sorts um, <clears throat> in the sense that I was learning while I was getting to work on these projects. And yeah, I did that, you know, nearly 12 times. I, I stayed, yeah, uh, the the last project was my Kickstarter um so that wasn't that that wasn't a project. So eleven times, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I did that all over the world. So uh, China, Costa Rica, Cairo, um, L.A., Seattle. I worked at Union Rescue Mission in downtown L.A., serving Thanksgiving dinner and helping organize, um, yeah, the Thanksgiving meal there. Um, all the way up to working at an architecture firm that um, that was working on Microsoft's new healthcare facility and. And working with the experience design group that was uh, that was developing their lobby or building out their lobby, so uh, doing a big installation there. Um, I got to work with Alex Bogusky, big ad agency guy, uh, who had left kind of his his main career and had pointed me towards a new startup ad agency focused on American-made products. Um, yeah, worked with a clothing manufacturer in China. Uh, you, you name it, I uh, I kind of got to dabble in a lot of different really amazing things. Um, and then at the very end, we did a Kickstarter because there was this constant question that I was asking through Leap Year as inviting other people to take a risk of their own. And my dissertation, my final kind of paper, if you will, would be to compile stories of risk takers, people who are learning to risk and then in turn risking to learn. Um, and that that got funded through, uh, through Kickstarter that we did in December of 2012. So, uh, and then finally, um, to kind of wrap it all up in a, in a fun graduation play, I, um, I spoke at a TEDx here in Chicago and did a, 
and did a cap and gown talk about my learning. So, um, yeah, that all of that combined made my crazy year come to life. Um, so let me ask you this, uh, and this is something I don't know th- that I asked you last time when you were here. In all of this, were there any really challenging moments where you're thinking, oh, my God, this is all going to fall apart or it's not going to work or where you just felt really, really in a difficult place? So um, I would say the end of um, the end of January, the first month, right? Because, you know, I don't know if you've ever started anything new, but like, you know, let's say you're starting a new workout regimen. The first week is kind of like your fit, like a good one. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you have all the right gear and stuff. And then you get to the end of the first week, you're like, crap, dude, I don't want to do another week. And um, it was kind of like that. February didn't come together super clean. Um, March was still on the horizon. No one was answering my emails. No one really knew about me. So that was a really rough kind of couple weeks, like towards the end of January and beginning of February. Um, And then again in July, six months of traveling and like sleeping on so many different beds and couches and in cars, like figuring it all out and just not knowing if I could finish the project. Um, and then I think again, when I was working on the book project and realizing like how big of an undertaking it was, it was just massive for like one, one guy I had to like lean on so many friends to make it come alive. And I was, I was starting the school, working on this book project with $30,000 of other people's money mm-hmm. and, um, and also writing the TED Talk. So TED Talk, school, and book, like all, all at once in like eight weeks, like I had to get everything done. Or so it felt. The book had a little more time than that. So I, I just about, uh, about lost it. I was, I was going mad. Um, yeah, it was the hardest. I've, I shouldn't say it's the hardest I've ever worked, but it was up there. What kept you going in January? Mm, I'd say it was probably, uh, you know, I, I had put so much into it already by then. You know, I had been working on it. Let's see. I'd quit my job, right? So, and I had the fall to work on the website and the campaign and all that. So, October, November, December, I had four months invested already. Um, I had a community of people there like, you can quit. It'd be okay. Like I had a job offer the January, like the guy, the guy, the agency I worked at, he's like, you could stay here if you want. Like we, we've loved working with you. Um, and you can continue this. And then just, I had started, a. I had moved them in the direction of getting a foundation started and I he offered me a job to fit, to run it. Um, and I, I think I was just, I just knew that there, there wasn't going to be another opportunity like this. You know, I had set the stage the dominoes were all being placed, even though I couldn't figure out a couple of challenge, like get through a couple of challenges at the time. It, it just felt like there was too much already done to not quit. And there was enough, like I said, there was enough of a safety net that if I, went through February and I really did crash. Like, um, it was going to be, it'd be fine. I I could also, I'm a a guy of vision, right? So like I can see the bigger picture really clearly. Like I could tell that if I could get 12, if I could just get through December of 2012, we we would be able to thread together a good story. Like I, I was there, like I, I had something unique. I had to push through like, you know, like I, I could see it. I just couldn't figure out how to get there at the time, you know. 
That's interesting you say that because I, I've felt it that way numerous times uh, along the journey of building all of what, what I've built. And yeah, sure. I, I think that that whole idea of a point of no return is something I've, I've mentioned multiple times. Once you reach that point and you've just put so much into it, that's actually the one thing that keeps you from quitting. You're just, you say, I've already put this much into it. I might as well see it out as far as I can go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I think like there is, there is wisdom, I think, in, in quitting things. But I don't think you should quit things when you're tired or alone. Mm-hmm. And um, I was pretty tired already. Like, it just, like, like I said, it's kind of like the first week of working out. Um, and the times that were the roughest was when I looked around and I realized I didn't have a team. I had a community, like friends who cared about me, but I didn't have a team. And that's, that was brutal. Like I had a team for five years, like eight awesome people that I worked with and, you know, a whole slew of students who, you know, were around me all the time. Like it got lonely quick. And so I just realized you just can't quit when you're, when you're tired or alone. You quit when you're in good company and you have a good head on your shoulders. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. And I think it makes a a perfect transition to really talk about, um, you know, the bulk of what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about, which is where this all led and, you know, what resulted in me calling you to ask you to come and speak at Instigator Experience. Yeah. So, you know, all of it became a springboard. I mean, there was an incredible community of these risk takers and we were all talking about what we had learned during the year. And, um, but there was this kind of like underlying and really loud question, a resounding question around, can can we replicate leap year? Is there a replicable format um, that could disrupt higher education in some capacity, or or contribute to it? Maybe in whatever way you want to look at it there. But so we quickly turned around and launched a prototype of a school called Experience Institute, um, and it would take the learnings from leap year and and a lot of the community and you know some of the findings and turn it into um, something that other people could do and with a slightly more academic bend. So we created um, a little bit of a, like a board of advisors and some instructors. We created a website uh, with some great friends in San Diego and, um, you know, we decided it would be based out of Chicago. The program would be, instead of 12 experiences, it would be kind of three core experiences um, and it would have classes in between each experiences, so roughly every quarter. And then from there, that's just the, those are just some of the boundaries. But then students could design their own education through experience, just like I did, but just have more of a community and a little bit of a framework. And um, yeah, and sure enough, like a handful of people met me in Chicago only only you know nine months, eight eight or nine months after I finished my leap year, and to prototype it to see if they could pull it off too. And we met here. We didn't have a campus. Uh, the instructors were my friends who I'd met along the way. The classrooms, the, the, you know, the apprenticeships would be companies that I had spent time with, too, or some of the companies that the students had even known before they got here. And um, there was a little bit of a coaching structure. So teaching here in Chicago in September, then they left to their companies. And while they're at their companies, we continue through Google Hangouts and talking about different topics once a week 
Um, and then meet back in January, leave again, meet back in May, leave, and then they designed their graduation uh, just last September. So they finished, and we invited the next 12 students. So we've been playing in this playground for, yeah, just over, like, yeah, a year and a half now. Um, and it's been a crazy, crazy journey. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, a big part of the reason that uh, we wanted to have you speak at Instigator Experiences, specifically around the area of leadership, and it's clear you have been the leader of this movement. And I'd love for you to talk about guiding this group through their own experiences, through the lens of, of the leadership lessons that it's brought to you. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm, I've had the opportunity to just like mash together a few other people's thinking into EI. So I, I don't know if I can take all credit for this. I mean, some of this is like, you know, the D school and David Kelly has been an advisor and a dear friend and, and even design thinking as a process. And you'll hear like Simon Sinek, um, start with why and so on and a little bit of this, but like, I, I guess what I like, what we've kind of come down to and if like you boil down our process of designing your own education is intention, action, reflection, and then iteration. That if you want to set up like any type of learning experience, you need to start with declaring a mission, not a major. So that's the intention piece. Like, what is it you really want to learn, do, become, and why? And to know the stories behind what's propelling you into wanting to learn new skills or topics or trades or whatnot. And then, like moving beyond that into the idea that you're gonna, you're not going to just take a class. You want to be in a position where you're taking a risk, you're pushing yourself outside of the the things that you already know. Now that might entail a class, but it, to think about it more as like I'm going to move myself and, and into a position where I feel like over my head just slightly, or or with people that I haven't been with before, and and begin to feel that sense of. Um, yeah, of, of uncertainty, because that's the time when you, you, you begin to figure out how to rise to the occasion. Um, and then reflection, that during that time, you're, you're actively, daily, weekly, monthly, uh, finding ways to document and reflect on what, what it is you're learning and how you're changing. And you're sharing those reflections with, with a community, so that way it's actually moving you to, to document and then also put it, package it. And then finally, iteration, like not to just do it once for a day or a week or, or, or even three months. In this case, we try to make sure they at least go through this process three times in the year. But that idea that you're building on what you've learned and done and able to continue it so that it, it continues to kind of hone in on, on what it is you really are learning. So that's been from a from like a process of leading people through this or yeah, leading people through this idea it's kind of how we boiled it down. Um, yeah. Hmm. So uh, l let me ask you this. Talk to me about some of the results and the things that have happened in the lives that have people of the people who've gone through Experience Institute. Well, it's been interesting. Like one, on one hand, you know, like the numbers aren't staggering, right? We've we have had seventeen students. Like hmm. we're not like putting some massive dent, you know, in the number in the kind of like data world right now as far as students you have 20 million people in higher education programs but what we're noticing is like that people are are looking to us to figure this out so on on, on just those 17 students five graduated with no debt and all had job offers throughout their year as well uh and are doing well now and off and running and, and are the best of friends 
um, you know, from a social media standpoint, having, you know, 250 site views and having, you know, 5,000 copies of the book sold and, you know, being able to speak across, you know, across the world around the topic has been really interesting. From a higher education standpoint, to be partnered with Stanford, you know, is just like this, we're, we're just this tiny new thing. And for Stanford to kind of come, say, hey, like, we, we'd love to invite you to, to this year-long project of which we did this uh, collaboration with them called At Stanford, Rethinking the Future of Higher Education, which led to um, four really interesting and compelling provocations to the future of higher education. And we got to be a part of that. I mean, that will that piece has traveled far and wide. Um, and now looking at, you know, what we'll do in the next in the next, you know, year and a half, um, it's just we're, we're poised for another uh, an incredible leap year, 2016, where we challenge people around the world to design their own education. So, I, I think on a very individual front, you're, we're developing great friends. We're tackling the student debt crisis, and on a very kind of small level right now, and people who leave EI have a great sense of confidence and agency, uh, like in the sense that they know what they want to be doing, where they want to be doing it, and how they want to be doing it. Um, without the grand debt that comes with higher education. Hmm. Um, so yeah. talk to me about the future of education and what it looks like based on those provocations and, and kind of what has happened uh, based on your experience with Stanford. So, you know, on one hand, I don't think higher education as we know it will continue in the sense that it's going to be four years after high school. I, I think it's going to be stretched out over the course of, a decade or even the rest of our lives after high school. I think there's going to be the sense that um, universities and, and maybe not just universities, but they'll, they'll be learning centers, learning labs, like places where you can go to get boosters and, you know, to, to focus on a topic for a season while whenever you need to learn that topic. Um, and so, uh, you know, I know I've brought up working out a couple times, but they'll almost be like learning gyms and learning will be much more of a habit rather than something that you just do at a season of life. Um, so I think there's that sense of looping. I, I also think that there's going to be much less pressure to know what you want to do with the rest of your life at 18 years old. I think that's just entirely silly and it's an old model of education. And I think that'll change quite a bit. So you know, for the first couple of years, even maybe a few years after high school, having the opportunity that in a university setting or on your own through other communities and so on, to be able to poke at things and try things and make things, um, to just get that sense, to, to, to just get some um, knowledge about the world at large, not necessarily about just like what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Um, yeah, and I, and I also think... You know, you know, one thing that they talked about is um, flipping the campus to be less about schools of um, of industry and more on like uh, schools of thought, so that it's it's more about like we all learn ethics. There's like we all learn ethics together. We don't necessarily learn business together. So everyone is going through the ethics courses. You know, so it's not just we you know, just in that arena. So if you can imagine a campus, they call that access flip, 
But if you can imagine flipping the campus so that it's not like the business school and the school of uh, design and the school of medicine and so on, but you're able to start mixing these industries so that people are in class with a with a really wide range of industries in one class, learning about a common topic that would be helpful to them. So those are those are a few things. The last I'll say that I, I'm probably a, you know one of the largest proponents for is a, is the role of apprenticeships. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, Srini, I, I can't tell you how far behind I think we are in the States on apprenticeship. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Everyone knows you learn so well on the job, but no one knows how to make it make it a meaningful experience for both the company and the student. I shouldn't say no one, but it takes a lot of work to flesh that out and to make that a common practice. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be a huge um, uh, shift. I think that'll be much more common to spend three, six, nine, six months a year with a company um, a, as a learner, not just as a, you know, a potential employee. I love it. There's so much amazing stuff here. And I really appreciate that the idea that you don't figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life when you're 18 years old, just because so many of us change careers so many times. And at the age of 18, what do you really know about yourself in the world? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there, there's a sense, I think everyone gets, gets the idea that you don't know it right away. I, I just don't know if they know what to do about it yet. And it's hard. I mean, it's a big system to change. It's a huge system to change. Um, and I, I think a lot of people have asked me, man, can, how can Experience Institute work for that gap year student? And we have right now, one of our 12 students is, uh, right in between high school and college and um he's using our framework he's one of our one of our folks and it'll be interesting to see if we can scale that up for for that kind of student um yeah i think we have we have a long way to go awesome well victor uh you know i have always been really really excited about the work that you're doing changing education is a huge personal interest of mine just because i I jokingly always say i'm a failed byproduct of the education system and I, I think that what you're doing is really, really, truly life-changing work. Uh, and, you know, I'm so honored that you're going to be one of our speakers at the Instigator Experience. So on that note, I want to close with one final question. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think... Um, I. Th- I think it's their ability to bounce back. Yeah, I think I think it has to do with if I'm talking probably from more recent experience, like to um, to take to take some sort of hit um, and like get back up on their feet, look at what happened, how it happened, and then to keep going, and maybe even to run faster at that point. Awesome. Well, uh, it has been my absolute pleasure to have you uh, here as a guest on The Unmistakable Creative. Uh, I'm so thrilled that you're going to be joining us in April for the Instigator Experience. And Victor is going to be talking about leadership. And trust me, he has a lot of incredible insights to share beyond the podcast. So make sure you're on the pre-launch list at theinstigatorexperience.com. And we'll wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.